0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich.
1: We will get the Fed's preferred inflation measure on Friday, and then the consumer income and spending numbers. You know, consumers have a lot of cash, so um, that'll certainly be interesting. And then hopefully another data point that says that it's just too soon to start worrying about inflation. Hi,
0: everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and the only man in America... With the last standing perfect bracket, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, did I get that right, or did your bracket have a few misses? I can't remember.
1: What is that um, Warren Buffett payout if you if you get that perfect bracket? Is it something like know. a billion dollars? I don't even know. Are you still in the running? Is what you're telling me? <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of you bought that. No, I, uh, I've got Illinois as my champion. I had Texas mm.
0: in final four, so I'm finished. Yeah, I um. I jumped on the Georgetown bandwagon, and that bandwagon did not last very long at all. But, you know, at least, uh, I don't know, at least we don't play for a Big Ten team. Those are, oh, I am a Big Ten boy. You know, I'm from Ohio, Ohio State fan. Although I never really liked Ohio State basketball. I always liked Xavier basketball because I went there for college. I'm not even in the thing. Um, but, boy, the Big Ten, just a rough, rough showing. But you know who's still there, Jeff? They're showing on the podcast right now. She's back. Sister Jean. Um, and there goes everyone's brackets. How about, um, that, right? She's 101 years old. Her team is back in the sweet 16. It's just totally unbelievable. I mean, did you watch the Illinois game yesterday?
1: No, I was following the score. I didn't get a chance to watch, but amazing story.
0: It it, it, is Chicago Loyola or Loyola Chicago. How do you call them? I I think I know this. they are only in the sweet 16 every other year, but nonetheless, Yeah, Loyola um, Chicago, they're right down the street from, uh, my alma mater northwestern there, there you go uh, i mean just amazing. We're, we're rooting for him yeah and then um oh i guess it was um oh who's the one to beat ohio state oh um not oral roberts. oral roberts oral roberts there i'll get there i'll get it's a monday oh, morning it? we record this oral roberts i mean they beat ohio state and florida the only the second 15 seed in the history of the tournament only um dunk city which dunk city was apparently 8 years ago, don't you feel old when you hear that? I think they're the only other 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16. So nonetheless, brackets everywhere have gone kaput and um that's just what happens, but it's a uh, hey, at least we're watching some basketball this year unlike a year ago um which is what we're going to talk about this week in the LPL Market City's podcast. Jeff, the bull market, he turns 1 and we are officially in the second year of the bull market by the time most people hear this podcast. We're also going to talk about They continue to move higher in rates. How that impacts bonds, and maybe talk a little bit about how people uh, should position a bond portfolio given the move, the historic strong move we've seen in rates, and honestly, the historically weak start we've seen to a lot of bonds out there. Then a little bit of a Fed speak. Right, it feels like every week we're talking about the Fed, but they pull a lot of different levers. And we, and the Fed uh, had an interest rate decision uh, last week, as expected, left rates where they were. But there's still some other things we want to talk about. So, Jeff, the first things first. And we do a, a call with our seven more than seventeen thousand advisors every morning. And I already asked you this, but I, I've always wondered: is it the bull's birthday or is it his anniversary? What do you, What do you like to call March twenty third uh, this Tuesday, which is one or the other? Bull, a Mark, uh, Happy Birthday or Anniversary?
1: Yeah, I I go with birthday because you know, in effect, the bull market was born on March twenty third, twenty twenty. It didn't exist mm-hmm. before that. Right. Uh, But certainly I've heard pretty compelling uh, case for using anniversary as well. I guess they both work.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen them both. And I guess we'll just have to see because we're going to hear a lot about it this week. And that's why we're going to talk about it this week on our podcast as well. I guess you could say anniversary makes sense to me if you're talking about the lows, right? It's the anniversary of the lows, like March 9th, 2009, the anniversary of that. But in terms of the bull and again, on our YouTube channel, if you're watching, we've got the bull from New York city. um, And he's got a little birthday hat on himself. So, Hey, you know, he's, he's had a a wild, wild ride. So Jeff, this week in the weekly market commentary uh, we discussed just that, right? This bull market and how strong it's been. And now we're in year two. So what could happen? Um, Jeff, you know, again, we shared this chart on our blog last week, lplresearch.com. But the key thing I think I want to point out the, the image was shown on YouTube, but I'll explain it here. We looked at all the previous best bull markets, um, longest and best bull markets since World War II. There have been six of them. They are from June 49 to August 56, October 74 to October 80, August 82 to August 87, October 90 to March 2000. October 02 to October 07. And then the most recent one, March 2009 to February 2020. The key point, the second year in all of those bull markets, stocks were higher one year later, every single time. Now, some of them weren't extremely high, and you had some volatility and some pullbacks. But the key point is returns are about average, All right, about a year later. Um, So this is still a young bull market. I know it feels weird to say that but be open to the idea that this bull market, if you look back at history, could have some legs. Jeff, you want to build on some of those concepts?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so you know, I think a lot of people are making the comparison with 82 and 2009, right? Those were mm-hmm. the, the, the strongest, right? It, right? it makes sense that um, the steeper declines would have the stronger rallies, right? You've got sort of more uh, damage to repair, but what I think is probably most interesting here, and my biggest takeaway, is just how often year two is up, right? Right. Now you get you get some bumps, you know. Certainly, you know, once you price in a recovery after, in this case, uh, you know, a nearly eighty percent rally off the lows, it raises the bar, right? So you you know you price in the recovery, and then you you need more good news, and it's a little bit tougher once you you really are starting to recover. Uh, to get more uh, good news that's not uh, priced in. So, you know, that's one piece. The other piece is the Fed is going to eventually have to tighten. We're still a ways off from that, uh, but that could cause some bumps in year two. Um, we'll possibly get tapering of bond purchases in year two. That is something uh, to um, uh,
0: to think about as we uh, move through a year that could have some bumps and the and bonds and the fed are the two next things we're going to talk about so we'll dig more into those but let's focus still on this uh this bull market. So, uh my good friend and LPL researchers friend Ari Wald, he put together some data um and he looked at all the bull markets since 1928 and he looked at what were the best sect first off He found one year later, stocks were higher 18 out of 21 times, okay? So starting technically tomorrow, March 23rd, going out a year, one year later. So that's higher 86% of the time. We'll give our numbers here on the next slide, Um, but still similar, usually pretty strong. But what he found, Jeff, um, one year later, stocks were up 11% on average. Not too bad. Median of 13%. But the best two groups, here's what got me. The best two groups, if you start from... um, Let's see, the 12th month to the 18th month. Uh, so again, that's the next six months or so. Technology and industrials. Those were the two best groups. If you look back at all the previous new bull markets from the 12th month to the 18th month, and those are similar to what we've been kind of talking about. It's one's of value, one's a growth name. They're two groups we like. You want to kind of build on those two sectors, Jeff, and maybe why for six months they could maybe take the baton here, looking back like they do, looking back at history?
1: Yeah, You so you've got the... Um... Stay at home play, you know, tech certainly uh has done well in that environment. And then you know, industrial is more of a reopening play and, and more uh more value. So um that's a really interesting pairing here. Yeah. I mean, what I guess what those two sectors have in common, they're certainly both economically sensitive. And so we think that's where you want the majority of your uh, asset allocation to be in cyclical sectors, sectors that benefit from recovery, including tech, certainly a chunk of. Tech and the other growth sectors, frankly, uh, a big chunk is is economically sensitive and will benefit from the recovery. We may have, you know, rotations around, uh, you know, what investors are most excited about at any particular time and where they might see the most attractive opportunities. But generally speaking, uh, all of the cyclical sectors or all of the economically sensitive sectors we think can benefit and do well here uh, during during
0: year two. Uh, absolutely. Some other fodder, I guess you could say, for year two to potentially be strong. Our friends at Bespoke took a look at what happens from the Ides of March. The Ides of March is March 15th, and what stocks do from that day to the end of the year. So from that day to the end of the year, the average year gains about 7%. But when you're up between 5 and 10%, so pretty good start to the year, like we were this year with the SP up about 6%, Bespoke went back to World War II. They found there's been 16 instances, again, when stocks were up between 5 and 10% on the Ides of March. The rest of the year, Jeff, was higher 15 out of those 16 times, up about 15% on average, so double the average return. The only year that it wasn't higher was 1956. So, um, a lot of numbers there, but I think a lot of them do suggest this upward trajectory that we're seeing in the stock market likely is here to stay for at least six to 12 more months, maybe even longer. Um, But as we get to year two, just kind of be aware of some of those things. Now, let's take a look here in our weekly market commentary. Again, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, what we share now. We looked at all the 30% bear markets. So we're not talking 20% bears anymore. We're going to the big leagues now. And these are the big pullbacks that we've had. There have only been, um, one, two, three, four, five, okay, six of them since World War II, 1970, 74, 87, 2002, 2009, and then 2020. And one year, the average first year after a 30% bear was a 40% gain. As Jeff just said, this one's up about 75% with 1 day to go. The good news, year 2 up 16.9% on average, higher every single time. The catch, and Jeff I'll turn it over to you for this one, there tends to be some volatility and you have about a 10% correction during year 2. You want to build on some of those themes.
1: Yeah, I t- touched on this earlier so um y- you know, when you get more good news priced in, it's tougher to get additional good news on top mm-hmm. of that that surprises the market moves it higher right it's, it's it's really about sentiment this is you know your expertise ryan um the um you know the bar gets higher simply yep. but. but the the other piece and this is what's really getting a lot of attention right now is is the federal reserve and so uh even though we're still very early in this expansion and early in this bull market uh folks are worried about the fed mm-hmm at least tapping the brakes, right? Not slamming, but tapping uh, the brakes. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a little bit of a tougher path for stocks uh, in uh, year two and beyond. So that's why uh, we think we're gonna have a little bit of volatility. We haven't had much uh, certainly here. We're probably due for a little bit of a pullback uh, given how far we've come so quickly. But uh, it, it might be the Fed that causes that volatility here, Uh, even though they're not expected to do anything really uh, for all of of 2021. It might not be till 2022 when they start to reduce their bond purchases and probably
0: not till 2023 uh, before they uh, start to hike rates. Yeah, and and again, we'll talk more about the Fed here in a little bit, but don't forget, the first time the Fed hiked rates last time was December of 2015, right? They had rates at 0% for a very, very long time. And that kicked off a a good deal of volatility and a very, very weak start to 2016. So again, we're nowhere near likely the first rate hike, but I guess maybe the market kind of remembers um, that very, very uncomfortable time. I mean, that was like right when I started with LPL. I started LPL, I think it was January 10th of 2016. If you look back at what the stock market did that first month, specifically biotech, energy, financials, it was really a bloodbath. Um, so I, I always remember that when I started because it was it was an ugly, ugly market. Um, but nonetheless, let, let's kind of move forward. Jeff, two things caught my attention last week that I thought were fascinating and just kind of build on the theme that the economy is really in, in pretty good shape. First off, the world's most active port is is um, Shanghai. Or, I'm sorry, Singapore. My apologies. Singapore. The port in, in Singapore is the world's most active port. The numbers in February were an all-time record activity. So the largest, most active port had the most activity ever in February. That suggests, again, the global economy is probably on fairly firm footing. The other one that got me is the Philly Fed manufacturing number. Now, this came out again last week. And these regional manufacturings is going to be extremely volatile. Let's just be honest about that. But nonetheless, it came in at a 50-year high expected to come in around 25 came in at 51. So I'm sorry, above uh, close to 52, actually. So again, those are just two and they could argue they're cherry picked, I'm aware, but still, there's two fascinating data points that I came across last week that say, this economy is looking fairly good. I mean, Jeff, what's the one part about the economy that does worry you, though? Um, You know, things are looking better overall, that what worries you a little bit?
1: Hmm. Um, Well, I mean, the job market is really uh, taking a lot of time to get back what it lost. Yep. So, you know, maybe saying it's it's something to worry about is is too strong, yep. but uh, you know, virtually every economic data point that you can find has recovered all of its lost ground from the pandemic. Certainly, you know, the vaccines are helping, the reopening helping, you know, stimulus, all of that, um, resilience frankly of the American people. Uh, but jobs are going to take more time. So, companies right now are doing uh, more with less. There's certainly segments of the economy still shut down, um, and so hopefully we can bring, you know, most of those people back to work that that lost their jobs last year within the next six to twelve months. That's certainly a reasonable expectation. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, clearly the COVID situation is is not uh, it's not behind us, right? And so we right. still need to um, you know get the vaccine out to more folks, get more shots in arms, get more of the economy open, uh, which, which, you know, should happen over the next call it three months. Um, So it's, you know, you still got to worry
0: about it, but um, things are looking good. Oh, exactly. I'm, I'm scheduled this Thursday to get uh, my, my first of the two COVID shots. I'm getting the Moderna one. And I've talked to a lot of people that had the Moderna one, apparently after day one, you don't feel too bad, but apparently after the second one, I said, maybe plan on taking a day off work. My mom, who's stage four breast cancer, has been since 2016. She's still doing pretty good overall. She got her first shot, I guess, it was three weeks ago and got the second one last Friday. And she 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 was in bad shape on Saturday and Sunday. But Sunday evening started getting better. But again, I guess what I've heard is by that second one, if you actually have a reaction That's a good thing, right? It shows you got the antibodies and your immune system is really working and kicking. So we're were glad to hear that. But she had a rough day and a lot of other people with the second one. Nonetheless, it's a small price to to pay, I guess. So this Thursday, I should get my uh, first vaccine. I got to go 46 minutes away. All the places around me are um, Clover, Clover, South Carolina. Check that out on a map. It's uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but that's where I'm headed. Thursday afternoon. Um so just supply here. is making its way to clover. If the, yeah. the supply can get to clover, that's a good sign. It, it it can get anywhere. That's exactly, exactly right. So one final comment on year one, year two, then we're gonna talk about rates a little bit. The key, I think, one of the key things to take away here, and again, you can read, our, please read our weekly market commentary that uh, dug in here a little bit. Stocks usually don't do not do as well during year two of a bull market than they do as year one. I think that makes sense. You get the bigger bounce year one and a little consolidation and upward trajectory usually during year two. The only time was after, I guess, it was after eighty seven. We had the crash of eighty seven. That first year, stocks gained about twenty one percent. Year two, they gained twenty nine percent. Interestingly, eighty seven, there was a thirty four percent correction in eighty seven. A 34% correction last year. It took us five months this time to get back to new highs. It took almost 20 months to get back to new highs in 87. So just kind of showing again how quickly we came back. And I think we put a bow tie on this and we will move forward. A lot of times during year one, stocks are going up and everybody's looking at each other saying, how in the world is this possible? On this podcast, I think we talked about that all of June, July, August, and September, right? During that big win streak saying, how are stocks going up when the economy is terrible? What tends to happen year two, the economy gets really good. Our friends at Goldman Sachs actually said an 8% GDP print. We'll talk more about GDP and stuff, maybe not this podcast, but in future podcasts, kind of how much the economy we think can grow. We're not quite 8%. But the key point is the economy does a lot better, usually year two, and maybe stocks don't do quite as well. So you're almost kind of looking at you saying, oh, my goodness, look how great everything is. Why aren't stocks doing better? It's because they sniffed out a lot of that growth and tend to lead. So, Jeff, I've talked a lot. I'm going to let you go now. Let's talk about rates. We have an eight week winning streak and that's a little hard to say but i did okay on a monday morning saying that um which is one of the longest win streaks we've seen on the 10-year yield i believe since the mid 90s um so a very very long time nonetheless the 10-year yield is kind of right back to where it was pre uh, pre-covid and pre the slowdown but that's a big move i mean this is a historic move you want to talk a little bit about what's driving this move higher in rates
1: yeah ryan it's about um the reopening of the economy and um you know, inflation along with it. When you get better yeah. growth, you get more inflation. And, um, you know, and with that, higher rates. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you alluded to it. We're just back to where we were early 2020. Um, I think we started 2020 at, at around 190, uh, somewhere in the 170s now. That, that makes a lot of sense, because when you look at, you know, forget about the job market mm-hmm. for a second, but when you look at virtually every other measure, of economic activity we've recovered all the ground that we lost from the pandemic and so it makes sense that rates would be where they are right now in fact maybe you could say uh right now given how well the recovery is going that rates should be a little higher so you know maybe we make a run at 2% this year um, it's, it's, it's hard to say but we're certainly not in the camp that expects the 10 year yield to to blow through that uh 2% range and and just keep on going we still have um a lot of structural forces pushing down on inflation that should limit um, the pace
0: of of rate increases from here. Right. Yeah. Things like technology, automation. Some of these things have been in play for productivity. Some of these things have been in play for decades. That's one reason we've got a cap on inflation. Inflation is a little bit higher. um, No question about it coming off historic lows. But again, we're not of the camp. There's massive inflation coming uh, down the road, at least as of yet. So, Jeff, one of the impacts of Higher rates is, remember, bonds, right? Bonds and, and yields tend to trade inversely. And on the YouTube channel, I am sharing something. Is anything more embarrassing than the Big Ten? It's showing at a bad, the bad NCAA tournament. I know there's a few teams left, but I mean, my, oh, my. Um, and again, I'm a Big Ten boy, so I think I'm allowed to say how disappointed I am in, in uh, what, what's happened with that. But I think one of the bigger one of the biggest disappointments to, to spend this a little bit, Treasury's. Treasuries are officially in a bear market from the peak, I guess it was late August, early September ish until just last week, a 20% correction. If you look at 20 year treasuries, um, you know, that's that doesn't happen very often when it comes to uh, comes to bonds. It's happened before. Yes, but it's rare. And and remember, you know, um, what tends to be impacted more by higher trending yields are the longer-term uh, bond instruments, specifically Treasuries. At LPL Research, we talked in our um, Outlook video a couple, or Outlook, a podcast a few months ago. We said maybe avoid or at least be underweight long-term or longer-term Treasuries um, as higher rates are probably coming. We were right there, and it's been impacting them big time. Jeff, you want to talk a little more, bit more about? Um, you know, if someone's portfolio, let's say you have a fixed income portfolio, we've had this move in rates, what should someone do now? You think let's say hopefully they were short duration, and they avoided a lot of this pain or as much as they could, what should someone do now on their fixed income portfolio?
1: You know, a lot depends on, on what you know now but certainly, um, you know, if interest rates go higher, then um, you, know, you get a better yield for new bond purchases. So yeah. bonds are actually looking uh, a little bit more attractive uh plus um you know when when low when you have low short-term rates and higher long-term rates then you actually it, it makes sense to maybe extend out a little bit you know maybe sell like a short-term bond and, uh, strategy and move to maybe something that's more intermediate so we, we still don't want as much interest rate sensitivity as the treasury market which has a lot of it we don't want as much as the broad bond market benchmark, the, the Barclays Ag. We want less than that. Yep. Um, but certainly uh it makes sense to be a little closer uh to that uh now uh than it did when you know rates were one percent or lower at the long end.
0: Yeah, we manage tens of billions of dollars for our advisors and further clients. And and the way we positioned our fixed income and bond portfolios is just that, right? We shortened up duration, expecting higher price, higher, um, higher yields. We said bonds might be about flattish this year, right? And we said stocks would probably do pretty well. So, so far that's playing out, although, you know, you're only as good as what you've done recently and what you're going to do in the future. So we're actively talking in our team about how to position things now. But it's been um, you know, a really, really rough start for bond um, investors. I think it's something that I don't notice people talking about it as much. Treasuries are down 20%. I mean, if that's a big chunk of your portfolio, you're not feeling very good right now with stocks literally flirting with all-time highs. And one, one interesting thing that I learned a while back, and I, I, again, I'm not a fixed income guy. I play one on TV every once in a while. But if you look at duration, so a 20-year bond, all right, that's duration of 20 years. If you have a 1% move in the corresponding yield, that'll impact the duration. What I mean by that, we've had a 1% move higher in longer term rates. It's a 20 year duration. They're down 20%. It's kind of neat the way that works. And it's not precise. It's not perfect, but it played out pretty well. So it's a nice way to think about your, um, you know, if you have the Barclays Ag, all right, for instance, with, um, you know, six, uh, six, six year duration. If you have a 1% move higher, 100 basis point move higher in the corresponding yield, you'll lose 6% in the Barclays Ag. So that's just a, a neat, neat, easy way to understand what's going on with your bond portfolios. Most people probably understand that. But nonetheless, it's, it's an interesting concept. Jeff, the final thing that we want to talk about now is Jerome Powell. We had a Fed interest rate decision. I'm going to read a statement. And I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. I don't think he shook the boat too much. Here's what he said. The economic fallout has been real and widespread, but the benefit of perspective, but with the benefit of perspective, we can say that some of the very worst economic outcomes have been avoided by swift and forceful action from Congress and across government and in cities and towns across the country. And while we welcome these positive developments, no one should be complacent. At the Fed, we will continue to provide the economy the support that it needs for as long as it takes. Anything catch you off guard, Jeff, with what he said on Wednesday? No,
1: absolutely not. I think yeah. the financial media is trying to make something when it's not there. Yep. Right. You have a situation where. How dare
0: they do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to get you to watch it, you know, <laughs>
1: they're trying to get clicks. That's, right. that's right. I guess yep. I should be surprised by that. Right. I mean, this was not uh, we aren't expecting anything and we got pretty much. Nothing. And, and by the way, we might get more of nothing, even you know, at the next Fed meeting. Um, so yeah, we we wouldn't be too focused on the Fed right now. Uh they're a long way away from doing anything. So the, the good news is that they're going to continue to be accommodated for the markets and for the economy, not rock the boat too much, and um, you know, kind of gradually ease into a tightening cycle. You know, potentially beginning in a year, um, we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, they they learned their lesson in 2018 mm-hmm. that uh, they, you know, if they move too fast, the market's going to um, throw a tantrum. And sure enough, we got you know almost a 20 percent bear market in December 2018 because of it.
0: Yeah, the worst Christmas Eve day ever. I forget the exact number, but down 3 or 4%. Usually Christmas Eve stocks are up and things are fine, but not in 20, 2018. So, Jeff, we've got only a couple minutes left here. Let me play devil's advocate. The argument that I read over the weekend, the Fed's behind the eight ball. Right, the Fed fund futures are saying there's going to be a couple of hikes well before 20, at least 2023, and the Fed is saying even maybe a little bit longer. Commodities across the board going higher. Let's say the Fed's behind the eight ball. What's what's the impact of that? If they, you know, if they should be considering hiking rates way before what they're making it sound they're considering.
1: Well, they've they've had credibility as an inflation fighter since the 80s, and mm-hmm. so um, you know we don't want to be in a situation where the economy overheats and they do have to slam on the brakes, that that could create significant stock market volatility. Again, we saw it in, in 2018, but if, if you have, you know, it really depends on where inflation goes, right? They're gonna let it run hot. So maybe we end up with, you know, sustained 3% inflation uh, and they have to come in and, and, and suppress that, it, it, it's hard to say, but the, the, the forces that have been keeping a lid on inflation since the financial crisis, right? 12 13 years uh they remain in place and so um it's it's really hard to envision a scenario where the fed cannot control uh inflation it can it can run a little hot and markets can be volatile but they'll they'll get control of it at some point
0: uh certainly uh they they haven't completely forgotten their old playbooks No, exactly. My take is just that Jerome Powell and I'm going to say Janet Yellen. I know she's in charge of the Treasury now, but I'm sure she has a little say at the Fed anymore. They would welcome 3% inflation, right? I mean, that's actually more closer to the long term average. We haven't had inflation for a long time. It's kind of the fear of uncertainty. You don't remember what it's like. We haven't had inflation for so long, so everyone thinks because inflation's rock bottom and now it's starting to go up a little bit, say two, three percent, that that's a bad thing. Um, I guess famous last words. We're going to wait and find out. But uh, but again, uh, you know, I think the Fed would welcome a little bit of inflation if you kind of look at uh, what they're saying. Jeff, we've only got literally probably a minute to go. What what are you watching this week? What should investors be paying attention to? It seems like a little calmer week, which is nice because we can all just watch our brackets. But what should we yeah. be paying attention to? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not going to say watch. GameStop's earnings report. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oops, I just said that is not a recommendation. That is not no a recommendation. recommendation but that eh, might it's, gonna be fun. It's fun to watch, though. I mean, that, that's a crazy one, man. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, what else should we pay attention interesting. to? Interesting. So, I, I think it's it's really all about interest
1: rates. It's, you know, if interest rates can stabilize here, they're they're doing that um, for the moment. Then um, that should help. You know the mega cap tech stocks and the broader market um, stabilize here and maybe resume another uh, advance. So you know rates are certainly what the market cares most about right now. Beyond that, um, we will get some the um, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, mm-hmm. uh, you know the the core PCE on Friday, and then the consumer income and spending numbers. You know consumers have a lot of cash. So um, that'll certainly be interesting. And then hopefully another data point that says that
0: it's just too soon to start worrying about inflation. Absolutely. So Jeff, thank you for joining the podcast. As always, fun discussion. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen to this podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow. If you really want to help us, give us a positive review. It does go a long way. Um, you know. last thing I'll say is at the LPL Research, um, uh, NCAA brackets, Barry Gilbert, who's joined this podcast a couple of times is... is firmly in first place as of now so if he wins it maybe next year we'll have barry come on and do a special podcast just talking about his picks because hey i think uh, that's that's kind of important as well and we get to do that this year which is so so much better than this time a year ago so jeff thanks as always thanks to neil for helping us produce this and get this out to the masses for everyone to listen to and everybody enjoy your brackets congrats to sister jean she is the biggest star in america right now that's just awesome she's back 101 years old and they're still doing their thing. So good luck to everybody in the rest of your brackets. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.